Welcome to the Lucky Let Court Podcast, a Tennis Now production sponsored by Tennis Express and a proud member of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Chris Otto, coming to you live on Friday, October the 9th. The Roland Garros Finals are set. How exciting is that? Iga Fiontech and Sophia Kennan will meet in the women's final in Paris. That will be tomorrow in Paris, 3 p.m. Paris time, 6 a.m. where I'm at. I get to sleep in till maybe 4 a.m. And then the men's final has been set. Novak Djokovic gets past Stefano Tsitsipas in five tough sets. He will face Rafael Nadal, the king of clay, going for his 13th Roland Garros final on Sunday in Paris. We just talked to Tennis Now's Richard Pagliaro and Eric Goodris, breaking down what we are expecting to see in these finals. Also talked about a little bit of the tennis we saw through the quarterfinals and semifinals leading up to these grand finales that we're going to see in Paris over the weekend. So why don't you join us? Kick back. Put your headphones on. Start thinking about Paris in the fall. Here's Eric and Richard coming at you right now. We promised we'd be back to talk a little more Roland Garros, and we are back. Eric Goodris, Richard Pagliaro, welcome back. How are you guys today? Doing great. Doing great and excited for the finals. Oh, my gosh. So uh, here we are, down to two. Men's final, Novak Djokovic, Rafael Nadal. Big surprise, right? Women's final, a little bit more surprising. Igas Fiontech, Sophia Kennan. But before we talk about those very exciting finals, I think we should kind of dip back to and pick up where we left off, which I think was just about the end of the round at 16. So we can chat a little bit about what we saw in the quarters and the semis that got us here. And I wanted to start off by maybe mentioning, you know, some of the highlights from the last couple of rounds that we saw. I mean, for instance, a little bit of a shock. We got Diego Schwartzman in five sets and five hours over Dominic team. What did you guys make of that pretty exciting match? Let's start with you, Eric. Yeah, I mean, I figured uh, Schwartzman was due to uh, reach a major semifinal, and I think he uh, probably caught team at the right time, uh, considering team was coming in from New York, having won that, and uh, was probably struggling a little bit physically, but still, it was an amazing uh, match and battle from both men. And um, yeah, it was great to see Schwartzman pull pull that off, and. Um, take that next step at a major. I have to agree with you. I think long time coming for Diego, had a great clay season and didn't really know where his form was at, kind of struggled at the U.S. Open. I think he went out in the first round and then that went over Nadal. I think that, that made him realize like, hey, maybe I'm playing well or better than I thought. And uh, then here, there he was in the semis. Richard, what, what do you think about Diego? You think this is maybe the beginning of bigger things even for him? Or you know, do you think we'll be, see him back in Grand Slam semifinals more? going forward? Uh, I'm not sure about that, but I wouldn't count him out. I think for me, the big thing was the resolve he showed after, like you just mentioned, that 
U.S. Open loss. That was a brutal five-setter. He lost to Cameron Nori. I think it was 7-5 in the yes. fifth. Or it was an extended fifth. So to turn it around, I thought, was big. And also that he really attacks. You could see him really attack the forehand. Even today against Nadal, he was hitting the ball at times bigger than Nadal. I think, you know, the, the, the challenge for him will be the serve in general and the second serve in particular because he just doesn't generate a lot of juice on the second serve. So it's hard to defend the second serve anyway, but also when you don't, you know, he just his reach just isn't quite the same as a lot of those guys. But it was a phenomenal effort and a great tournament for Argentina with, uh, you know, Nadia also, her great run. Podoroska qualifying and reaching Podor- the semis. But before, uh, before we leave behind this subject of Diego Schwartzman, um, I think – I want to ask each of you guys why we love this guy so much. I know I do, and I haven't really processed the exact reasons, but what do you guys think? Is it, it's not strictly because he's 5'7", right? No, what, no, what I, I like think... about him is just the heart and the battle and the grit that he just never gives up. Even today against Nadal, you figure he's down two sets and a break, you know, show's pretty much over, going to close the curtain, and he just never, ever gives in. And you can make a case even in the tie break. He started off pretty well. He just made a few errors that he wasn't normally making. I think it's that, and also his his demeanor. Like he'll stick the jaw out. He'll stick. He doesn't. He doesn't play small. You know. I know that sounds like a cliche, but he <laughs> he just doesn't. He just doesn't play small. I mean, he has a big heart and big character, and I think people people relate to that. Eric. Yeah, exactly the same. It's his character and his fight, and uh, he goes out there. And uh, there have been plenty of players that may be short in stature but they're big in heart and he's definitely one of them and um that's that's why he's succeeded as he has so um again i look forward to seeing him um take that next step again yeah i do too and also you look at his look at his return how great it is and unlike rafa plays usually way back i mean he plays a lot closer to the line so his his reactions are just mind-blowing sometimes that he's able to pick the ball up on the high, a little bit like Kennan, you know, the similar thing, that they're able to stand on the line or close to the line, and you have to have incredible timing and hands and vision to do that, and he's, he just does it match after match. It's really impressive. I like that nuts and bolts talk from you, Richard. I can count on you for that, but I want to add in he's a good dancer. Okay? <laughs> I don't know. It matters to me. He, he's a fun guy, but I also want to mention his jumping backhand, which I think is a really cool shot. He's very athletic out there. He's he's a fun watch, and I, I'm always excited to see him do well. I was excited when he took a set off Nadal uh, at Roland Garros two years ago, and I think he account you know gave a really good account of himself today, especially in the third set. I mean, uh, it took a lot for Nadal to close that out in straights, and we'll talk about Nadal a little bit later, um, just how good he played in that match. But we'll move on. Another um, really interesting match that I really caught my attention in, in the quarterfinals was the play of the 19-year-old Italian Yannick Sinner. I'll start with you, Richard. I mean, um, he um, didn't take a set off Nadal. Nobody has, but dang, wasn't he pretty good out there? Boy, he is just beautiful to watch. He's so smooth. He has this unique combination of smooth movement, but yet he's so explosive on the strokes. And let's face it, I mean, he was pushing Nadal around at times. His The pace of his forehand, he can trade forehands with anyone. His backhand's a beautiful shot, too. The other thing I like about him, he never looks too high or too low. If you saw the Rome match when he beat Sitsipat, he wasn't like going crazy like, oh, my God, this is a career win. He was very composed about it, almost that he thought or maybe even expected he could win the match. So I like his composure a lot and that he's never satisfied 
with the result. And also, you look at his game from a technical standpoint. Even a lot of the top young players, you can nitpick here and there, like like Azverev with the second serve can go up. There's nothing in his game that I see that you say, wow, that's a glaring weakness or that's something that's a rat. He's just so good. And sure, he can maybe get better at the net, but I mean, he's so good in, in sort of all phases of the game. There's not any obvious weakness in him that I see. Yeah, I think, I think Eric, you can take this next, but before you do, I want to just say my, my two cents on him is that I really enjoy and find it refreshing that there's a player like him who's really just so calm and stoic and really focused on the mental game. Um, it's pretty cool. We have a lot of colorful characters, and I think we're all thankful for that, the Tsitsipas and the Zverevs and the, the Shapovalovs. Um, but it's nice to see. Uh, I like his down-to-earth sort of hominess. That was my two cents. But what are your two cents, Eric? <laughs> No, I mean, definitely. I mean, yes, he is Italian, but it's very worth noting that his the town he grew up in Italy is actually northern Italy near the Austrian border. So um, I think that's kind of where his very calm demeanor comes from. And um, the Austrians may want to claim him yeah. uh, as one of their own pretty soon. But um, I saw him play against Sam Wawrinka last year at the U.S. Open, and uh, he lost that match. But, I mean, Sam Wawrinka had to play very well to win even that match. So this kid has just been coming up and uh, very quickly. And like what you said, his game is just so um, smooth and um, uh, just there's so much upside. You know, I think his serve could probably get a little better um, um, in terms of the, he's got a kind of a little hitchy motion. But uh, other than that, I mean, I mean, I would not be surprised if this guy like in the semifinal of a major next year. I mean, it's, or even better. I mean, it's just, the upside is just huge. Yeah, I think you're yeah, right. He's really athletic, and the, the similarity, not that he's similar as a player, but, you know, he and Djokovic both have the skiing background, and he he doesn't, you never really see him look off balance or that he's just scrapping to get the, he always looks like he gets to the ball and has time to set his feet and hit his stroke, and I don't know if that's related to the skiing or just that he's so athletic, but I thought that's an interesting sort of similarity between the two. No, it's a good point. He looks. I've seen those pictures of him. I didn't. I haven't seen any videos. I don't think. But he looks like he was one hell of a skier as a young guy. But what I think is amazing about his run to the quarterfinals as a 19 year old, and I think he's the first man to make the quarters on his debut since Nadal in 2005. I might have mentioned that on our last show, but he didn't celebrate once. He's just like, oh, oh, ho-hum, here I go. I I win a match. That's kind of what I'm supposed to do. Let's go on to the next one. And then after he lost to Rafa, he was just like, I went out there with a plan. I was was executing it, and it was working. And, um, you know, I expect to beat. I expect to win. I'm like, wow. Most people would, at that point, the tournament being over would kind of just show that they were a 19-year-old and just happy to be there to have the experience. And yet he still didn't seem that way, even after facing Nadal, which I thought was pretty serious yeah absolutely and also i think it's it's what you guys both said about his temperament you look at some of the great recent italian like fonini or you look at schiavone they're much more theatrical operatic sort of personality really large personalities and he's not that way at all maybe because he's from northern italy as eric said uh but he's just a totally different personality and that's refreshing to see somebody that comfortable in his own skin at 19 years old and that confident in his game at 19 years old that's really impressive mm-hmm. um let's move on yeah, to it, it, oh you, you go you go eric italy's gonna have one great uh davis cup team coming up with him and uh 
Mizzetti and Berrettini. <laughs> oh my God, they're going to be Absolutely. a powerhouse. Good point. Absolutely. You know, that, I think that's funny because Eric, you wrote a piece for TennisNow.com about Francesca Schiavone, the 10 year anniversary of her title, which was so big for Italy. I actually talked with Corrado Berzutti this week, um, and it was an interesting short conversation. I was just kind of hunting for some quotes on something I'm doing, and he, and he said that that win by Schiavone actually fired up the men and showed them not only did it fire up the women, who we all know came after. Um, Irani made a final. Panetta won the U.S. Open, and um, Vinci also made a Grand Slam final. But he said it, that all caused to fire up the men. So I think the men have Schiavone to thank as well as the women who did so well. So uh, the, I don't know. I just wanted to throw that in there about Schiavone and your piece, yeah. which everybody should go read. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but let's move on to another uh, woman who didn't quite make it to the final, but I mean, it was, it was another pretty much beautiful, emotional run for Petra Kvitova. Reached the semis, wasn't able to get past Sofia Kennan, but um, it was there was a, were a lot of emotions for Petra, and it was exciting to see her play so well. I think maybe we got our hopes up and thought that this could be a title she could win, but in the end, she didn't. What's your final takeaway from Petra's performance, Eric? Uh, again, it, it was just great to see Kvitova go deep again at a major. And, um, yeah, I don't think a lot of people might have expected her to, to do it again at the French Open, reach the semis, but um, the conditions seemed to suit her game. And you never know with Kvitova. I mean, as we know, she, she tends to play a lot of preset matches, and she can be very streaky at times, depending on the tournament. But, um, Again, once she gets her game in, and um, she's she's very hard to beat. So again, it was great to see her uh, make another run deep at a major. And again, I think uh, hopefully if Wimbledon is around next year, but again, that's where she's probably going to have her best chance for another major. But um, always wonderful to see Petra do well. Yeah, me too. You th- you think she's got another one in her? I mean, she's only thirty, playing some great tennis still. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, definitely. Who's up? Go ahead, Richard. Yeah, I, I think she does. I, I really do. Like Eric said, she's streaky, but she can play offense against anybody. I've even seen her really be offensive against Serena, where, you know, you, you'll hear her a lot use the term, the, ma- the matches on my racket. Or, I know, what she's saying is basically she can, she can call the shots either way. If she's on, she can dictate. If she's off, she gives a lot of errors. But, look, that's her worst surface. She doesn't slide. She's not a natural yeah. clay mover, but... Still, she had a great tournament, and even the Kennan match, I thought she played well. Just Kennan was one shot better. She's quicker. She used the drop shot effectively. But I thought Petra was right in that. I mean, she should be proud of the effort. She gave a great effort in the match. She just got she just got outplayed. And one of the things I like about her just as a person is the sort of grace and gratitude that she always has. She always seems happy that no matter what, hey, I got to come here, I got to play, because she can see the larger picture because of the – the attack and the stabbing and everything she's been through. And she really reminds you or us as fans, as viewers to just be grateful, you know, that we're, where we have tennis, all this pandemic, everything going on, that we have these moments and really savor them and treasure them. And I think it's great to have someone in the game have her stature that reminds us all of that. Yeah. You make a good point. I think, um, Petra is definitely a hero of mine and, um, not because of her game, but because of who she is as a person and what she, what she puts out there on the court and her sportsmanship and all she's been through and all she's kind of, you know, all we've sort of experienced with her over the years, but just 
it's hard not to root for her. She's a she's a she's a good one. She's a good egg. Yeah, and she that that you can be a nice person and be a fighter. Like she is like that Yuri Vanek, the interview where he said, you know, right after the surgery, she's like, I'm coming back. You know, she was that determined because we always see her smiling. We think of her as a real, but you can be nice and not be soft. You can be nice and be tough. You can be a good person and be a fighter. And and she's shown all of that. A little bit like Kleisters in that way, I guess. Even other different players, obviously. Another good human, yeah. So many good humans in tennis. But Eric, how good was Sophia Kennan in that semifinal? And I, I just this woman is just ferocious and also so talented. Just what a revelation she has been this year. Absolutely. I mean, and I don't think many would have picked Sophia Kennan to make a deep run or reach the final based on her form, um, you know, at the U.S. Open and then she had that horrible loss against Vika Azarenka in Rome. So um, she struggled in the early rounds. But the thing about Kennan is she has this will to win yeah. that you can't teach. Uh, it's innate in a player. It's like, uh, reminds me a lot of Maria Sharapova, even though Sophia's American, but she has that will to win. Same as Serena, same as Venus. That That's that X factor that no matter what the match is, uh, we saw that in Melbourne this year, that she just, when she just she gets mad and she wants to win and she's like bopping that ball down after a point and she's <laughs> strutting around. I mean, that's the confidence. That no coach can teach that. And I think that's how she won that match against Kvitova because um, um, that was a very close match and she just kind of willed herself over the finish line. So um, it, it's very impressive. And here she is with a chance to win two majors um, in one year. Um, but it's, it's, it's an impressive, no matter even if she loses in the final, uh, it's such an impressive year for her that, uh, that she, and again, the, and she's just getting started. I know. <laughs> 21 years old, Richard. I mean, I mean, geez, American women's tennis. We, we got another one, huh? Absolutely. And I think what I really like about her is she's a player that it, in tennis, to me, it's really, really hard to play angry. You know, it's just hard because you, you tighten up, you grip the racket too much. She's someone that the more pissed off she gets, the more angry, either at the score or herself, she's able to turn that into fire and really get herself going. I mean, you even saw that in, in, in the, uh, in a little bit in the, uh, in the, um, what was the match? I'm thinking about Danielle Collins' match, where she had to go. You just saw her sort of turn up the intensity to these blazing levels. And I, I agree with what Eric said. The confidence and the will are just two intangibles that you just cannot measure. Because you look at her physically, she's not as big and strong as these other women she's playing, but she stands right in there. And then look at some of her greatest wins. She beat Muguruza, one of the best the hardest hitters. Match. In Australian Open final last year, she beat Serena in Paris. You know, obviously one of the greatest, maybe the greatest player of all time. And she beats Kvitovo, one of the best ball strikers. So uh, she has no fear. Whatever style you bring at her, she's just basically like, bring it. You know, because I'm, I'm going to stand here and I'm not going to back down. And I think that intensity in, in its own way is, is kind of intimidating. You know she's going to be there every point. And also, we spoke about it last time, you know, to get totally pasted by Azarenka, love and love, and to shake that off a few weeks later and get to the final of the French Open when you had never, ever been past a quarterfinal of any clay event in your career. Hmm. I mean, that that is just super tough. She's a super tough competitor. She really, 
she's just super tough. <laughs> yeah, she's tough as nails. And, and you know, I'm looking at her uh, her scores from the from Roland Garros in 2020. She's had played four three setters. Six three was the third set in the first round against Samsonova. Six two was the third set against Anna Bogdan. Six one against Farrow in the round of sixteen. Six love in the third set against Collins. She she doesn't mind dirtying it up. She doesn't mind these getting into these like street fights and these tough matches. And yeah, and you're right. I think she gets pissed, but she can recover. Just like the Kvitova match where she had a real bad game. I think to let Petra get back on serve late in the third or late in the second, rather at five five. She just rebounds, wins the final two games. Just uh, oh wow, she's she's edgy. She's fiery. And, but but I I think we may haven't even discussed just how crafty she is on the court as well. With with uh, I think she's deceptive. I think it's hard to really figure out where she's going to go with her backhand and her forehand, for that matter. I think players are kind of flat-footed against her. I think she's extremely accurate when she needs to be. She can hit winners even though she's what five seven. I mean, she's a really complete package and just on the rise. Yeah, I think you're spot on. She can solve any problem seemingly, and also that she's able to her backswing. She's able to sort of abbreviate the back backswing and still crack the hell out of the ball. It's something Agassi could do. Sellers had pretty short backswing, but she's able. Even if you drill it right at her, she's able to respond with a D. And her ball is deep. I mean, she hits the ball deep. She backs you up like she did to Petra, and then she can pull the string on the drop shot, especially the backhand drop shot she maybe has the best drop shot or one of the best in in women's tennis and she's used it very effectively this tournament yeah so eric if we look forward to her next opponent poland's igas fiontek the 19 year old how do you see this matchup shaping up do you think uh fiontek's ready to handle this fireball do you think it's going to be a competitive match do you i mean the young Paul has done so well to be poised and to handle all the challenges she's faced. And I, I have a feeling that she'll be good with this challenge as well. I just wanted to get your thoughts on that one. Yeah, I think um, it's going to be very interesting because, again, it's, it's, it's been Iga against the field this whole tournament. I mean, she just demolished Simona Halep. I mean, she <laughs> hit her off the court. And uh, I think that – and she just seems so relaxed in all her matches. And um, – I think it's going to be interesting because uh, Kenan, uh, I watched an interview with her uh, after she won the semi and she was speaking to John Wood on the tennis channel and she admitted she's probably, Kenan will probably feel a little nervous in the final um, just because it's a major final, even though she's been in one already, she's won one already. And Kenan is sort of now the known quantity, unlike the last major final she was in where Mugu Ruth came in with all the experience. So It'd be interesting to see how Kenan sort of now it's like the tables have turned. Now she's the one that's somewhat expected to win, although I think Iga is a slight favorite just because of the form she showed all tournament long. Right. But at the same time, it's it's Iga's first Grand Slam final. We'll see how she handles the moment, um, especially if Kenan is able to keep it close. I mean, Iga has never really had a close match this entire tournament, so. He hasn't really been pressured, so it's sort yeah. of um, who's going to who's going to take the moment. Um, I think their games match up really very well too. He's just got that big forehand. Um, he's got a great drop shot as well. Certainly, Kenan does. Kenan's yeah. going to use her angles. Um, it's going to be a very intriguing match, but it's a total pick 'em. Yeah, it's it's tough tough to call. We do know they met in the juniors in 2016 in the third round with Fiontech winning in straights. But but yeah, you look at. Uh, 
how well the pole has been in her second main draw appearance at Roland Garros. These are her set results. 6-1-6-2 in her first match against Von Drusova. 6-1-6-4 against Shea Suwei. 6-3-6-2 against Bouchard. 6-1-6-2 against Simona Halep, the top seed in the round of 16. And then she faces a pair of qualifiers. You think she's going to be nervous, maybe have some some anxiety about being the favorite. She goes 6-3-6-1 against Martina Trevisan. 6-2-6-1 against Nadia Podoroska. Richard, you think she can keep it up in this final against Sophia Kennan? I absolutely do think she can she can keep it up, and I think on form you, you have to make her the slight favorite. As you just said, she's destroyed the field. I mean, she's demolished everybody. Uh, Simona Halep is the best, generally regarded as the best clay court player in the game. She just wiped a court. Where, I mean, it was, it was barely over an hour. She just Amazing. destroyed her. So you got to give her... I think you got to make her the slight favorite. I think the thing that helps her is that she went so deep into doubles, she got to the semis, that she's just been playing basically every day, so you don't have time to sit and ponder for 48 hours. Oh, my God, I have the greatest match of my life coming up. And don't forget, there's immense pressure on her, too, even though she's 19, to become Poland's first Grand Slam, male or female, Grand Slam singles champion, something Aga didn't even do, and Aga was a phenomenal player. So I think there's a lot of, of really good reasons to pick her. It's just, you know, Kennan, as you said, Chris, she's such a street fighter, and also Kennan's record in finals is really strong. I think she's 5-1, and one, and she's played some tough people in finals. And, you know, even though uh, Kennan has spent, what, three hours more, I think, on court, I think maybe if she can drag it into a third set, that's somewhere Iga hasn't been in this tournament, at least in the singles. So that could be a factor, too, if she can drag it out and just make it make it a grueling match. How, how will Iga respond in a third set? We just don't know. There's a lot of unanswered questions, and, and as Eric said, the nerves are going to be huge because now even though Kennan's only 21, you know she's far more experienced at that level, so that's a pressure in and of itself. Yeah. Whereas Iga, you know, you read her interviews or you see her interviews, she's like, look, win or lose, I'm going to be thrilled. This is the best tournament of my life. And when players can go into a big final like that and just feel they can let it fly, yeah. that's a really dangerous opponent to face because she can, if she lets it fly as she has this whole tournament, I mean, it's hard to see her losing, but Kennan is Kennan. I mean, she's a, she's a fierce warrior. I mean, I wouldn't want to play her. <laughs> I think it's, uh, it's as, a... As, please, please go. Ahead. I, I just... As you mentioned earlier, Chris, going back to Francesca Schiavone, of course, uh, Francesca sees that sees the moment, sees that title away from Sam Stozer. So I, I, maybe it'll come down to that: who who feels the moment, who wants to take advantage of their their moment for destiny. So um, mm-hmm. you never know in these French Open finals. We've seen a lot of strange things happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I see it that way as well. I see it playing out as a pretty competitive match. I think both players are going to have their opportunities. I think it's funny that we have one player who's um, relying and getting a lot of press for using a sports psychologist, and that's 19-year-old Fiontech. I mean, you don't really see usually a teenager having a sports psychologist as part of her team. And then Kennan was asked about him that in press, and she, she was just kind of like, well, yeah, I, I heard that about her, but for me, I just kind of figure these things out. It's, it's really just like, it really just shows you who each individual person is because Kennan doesn't really need to hear it from anybody. It's like it's built into her how to figure these matches out. And it may not be pretty, the way that Kennan's doing it, which is with a lot of angst and a lot of emotion and a lot of fire, but they're getting the same results. Whereas I guess Fiontech has really been able to manage her emotions and kind of like block out the pressure very well. So it'll be interesting to see, the, you know, which 
which side of the tracks is able to prevail in this final. It's Scott, I'm, I think it's a, I think it's really cool this final. And I think it's also very cool how it's contrasted with the men's final, which we're going to talk about now, which is this battle of epic iconic tennis heroes with a combined night, night 36 grand slams between them. And they're playing for the 56th time. It's Rafael Nadal and, and Novak Djokovic once again in the Roland Garros final. And it's pretty darn exciting. I think we get at some point, we maybe will get sick of seeing these two guys playing finals, but I know for me personally, it's not this time around who's who wants to take it first. And who's excited about seeing these guys match up on the, on Sunday. Yeah, I'm super, super pumped to see him because that's what the world wanted to see when the draw came out, and and uh, we're getting what we want to see. So it's great, and also, you know, that they were both. I mean, Novak was obviously much more tested to get today against Sitsipas, but even Roth at the end of the third set today to go to a tiebreaker, he totally picked it up and played a lot more offense. I think the similarity in today's semis where they both built leads and then they both got maybe not defensive but a little careful or a little cautious and then the opponent made a run at them and when they had to pick it up, they both did. Novak said in press that the length of today's match is not going to be a factor, that he feels fit and strong. So I guess, you know, the neck and arm issues or whatever it was that was Maybe if it was in his head, it seems like it's not going to be an issue. So hopefully we'll see them both at, at full strength. And, you know, look, Novak has dominated him on hard courts, but Rafa still has the edge on clay, and he's still undefeated in finals there. For me, I, I think going into this tournament, I would have given Novak the slight edge, but I think right now you got to give Rafa the slight edge. He's only lost to two people there. He's going for his 100th. You know, uh, career win there, and also obviously the record is on the line. So how is that going to pl- weigh and play on him mentally, knowing that he's on the precipice of you know the most hallowed record in the men's Grand Slam event? And hey, who knows who Federer will be rooting for in this one? <laughs> Eric, Eric, do you uh, do you see it that way? Do you see Rafa now as the slight favorite after all we've been through in these last twelve, uh, thirteen days? I think. I think so, obviously, because of the record and uh, everything that R- Richard mentioned. Um, you know, there was so much discussion be- before the tournament began about the conditions, the balls, the weather, yeah. whatnot, and that hasn't, that really hasn't affected Nadal. He's adjusted, and Djokovic, they both adjusted. As champions do, I mean, you look at the, the weather forecast for Paris, uh, Sunday, it's looking like it's going to be cloudy, but not rainy obviously cool so I, the roof probably won't be open so uh roof won't be used so um that's got to give a slight edge of course to Nadal. but um i think um it, it's going to be interesting to see that matchup and uh if it uh especially if it wins that first set i think that's going to be really telling yeah. who can sort of seize the seize the early momentum and uh as we saw today uh if someone gets behind, way behind, uh, two sets down, if they can, they can, they can come all the way back. I, I don't think so. I think that it's going to be telling that whoever wins that first set is going to win the match. Eric, do you think that um, a match like Novak Djokovic had today against Stefano Tsitsipas, where he failed to convert a, a match point in the third set and end up being forced to go five, you think it could actually help him kind of get that that Spartan spirit back into him? Um, I. Yes, uh, Djokovic has been there, done that before. So um, you know, it's, it's one thing to do against Tsitsipas; it's another thing to try to do it against Rafael Nadal in the French Open final. Um, we'll see. I think um, 
you know, Jeff, maybe this is like the motive, like an extra bit of motivation that he had to fight hard to get to this final. Uh, and uh, I think, it, you know, we'll see. But like I said, I, again, I, I think Nadal is still the, is still the favorite. And uh, but it, it should be a fascinating match. Yeah, I mean, Richard. Yeah, the other thing is Djokovic has played the drop shot so brilliantly. Yeah. Even going back to Rome, I mean, he's hit even today against that. He took his legs out with the drop shot. I'm going to be interested to see how how he approaches that. If it's if he uses it as much and how Nadal counters it in terms of his court positioning. If he p- tries to come closer to the line and if it gets into that sort of duel, Nadal is phenomenal at the net. I think I think that's one of most underrated aspects of his game is his net play is overhead stuff like that so it'll be interesting because we always think of these two guys as just two baseliners and just grind it out and go toe to toe but we might see a little bit more transition tennis just based on the way he's played the drop shot and also as eric said the conditions so yeah. i think that's going to be maybe a sort of a subplot to pay attention to what's the over under on drop shots that we're going to see for rafael now maybe set it around 40 you think <laughs> we're gonna see a lot that's a good guess. yeah eric have you been surprised with the that i guess you know we've always seen that element of novak's game but i mean it's, it seems like a pretty smart decision for him to be playing it and playing it so well throughout these first six rounds it's i'm interested to see how well it plays against rafa how do you see that playing out i mean yeah i mean definitely it's an interesting again if he uses it uh, tactically, uh, especially if he if he finds he wants to kind of vary up uh, the pace of play and um, certainly keep keep Nadal off balance. So um, yeah, it, it probably would end up being like seeing how you know he'll probably throw in a bunch of drop shots early in the first set, see how it works out for him, and then you know if it's going great, keep doing. If not, then you're going to have to try something else. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, the drop shot has been the shot of the tournament for uh, on all sides. So yeah, for a lot of players. Women. So yep. it's, uh, I think it's going to be used. Uh, I think a Greek, even Sophia Kenna was hitting drop shot returns. So we might even see that. Yeah. Gilbert might even try that once to see. So um, there's going to be a lot of drop shots for sure this weekend. <laughs> I'm getting goosebumps. Actually, you think without the crowd, or at least without you know less than 2,000 people in the stands, I would have been intrigued to see if it was a packed house you know, who would have got more crowd support? That's not really a factor now. Yep. I see pockets of fans that are urging the players on, and I guess that's helpful for each of them on an individual basis, which is cool, but yeah, not really a factor, right? It's a, that's one thing we'll miss for sure, but I'm still getting goosebumps thinking about what is at stake here. I mean, the fact that Rafa is one match from tying Roger Federer on the all-time Grand Slam men's singles title list with 20, the fact that Djokovic could now have all grand slams not once but twice if he wins this and i think this this win is equally massive or would be equally massive for both players because i think if if djokovic becomes the only man to beat nadal twice at roland garros that will just say so much about his legacy and his diversity and his ability to play well on the clay because he truly is a great clay court player it's just unfortunate that he had to 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 um try his hat throw his hat in the ring against rafael nadal at roland garros all these years you know i I don't think he'll ever get the respect he deserves for how good he is on the clay and then thinking about what nadal is about to potentially achieve with another roland garros title the fact that he has won 13 
all 13 of his Roland Garros semifinals and dropped just three sets in all of them. I mean, it's just, just so many numbers around these guys. It's ridiculous. I mean, Richard, how do you sum up the history that we're about to witness on Sunday? Well, it's the most prolific rivalry in the history of the ATP. And, you know, these guys may go down or probably will go down as 1-2 in terms of of Grand Slams won by the time it's all said and done. I think two things stick out for me. One is a few years ago when when they were both going through injury issues, we were like, wow, I mean, how much longer are these guys going to be playing? Now you look at the way they're playing now, I mean, to me, they, they have years ahead of them, I think, just based on what we're seeing now. And the other thing is, just to pick up on your point, Chris, is that it is huge history for Novak, too, because if he wins, he's at 18 slams. Then you go to Australia where, you know, he's an eight-time, he dominates Australia almost as much as Rafa's dominated here, not quite to that extent. But, you know, he, he annihilated him in the Australian Open final a couple of years ago. So if he were to win here, get to 18, go into Melbourne, assuming we will have Melbourne, I mean, that's a, I mean the, the guy could tie or break the record next year if he were to win on Sunday. So it's, it's obviously massive. Mm-hmm. For for both of them, but it's still Rafa's turf. It's his house. I think you got to face until someone takes him out in a final. I I, I just think you got to go with him. Mm. Eric, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, I mean, everybody has thoughts on the crazy, the, the crazy numbers at play and the crazy history that we're witnessing. Sometimes we take it for granted. This is probably not one of those times. It's a good time to appreciate where we're at as te- in, in the in this tennis world right now in this era of greatness. Absolutely. And just as thing that came to mind was, of course, Djokovic was not able to, you know, win the U.S. Open because of what happened in, in that in that match with uh, Karina Busta. So um, that maybe that's extra motivation for him to, you know, to try and win this one because he's in the chase, too, with Federer and Nadal for the most major titles. So he's he's in that chase. And um uh, yeah, look, Nadal is the favorite, of course, but if he could somehow defeat Nadal, then man, that 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 adds even more to the the debate about who is the greatest. Absolutely, right. And also, that he beat Federer in that classic Wimbledon final mm-hmm. to beat two iconic champions on their turf in a, in huge epic matches. I mean, that that would be it. That would be a major, major endorsement for his claim to the gold title. Novak Djokovic might be the goat, is what you're saying right there. <laughs> well, again, that's open to debate. But I'm just saying, like Richard said, if you could beat Federer in Wimbledon, beat Nadal in French Open, those are those are some serious credentials. Yeah. Well, you guys have uh, each. I'm going to give you the floor for a parting shot, and if you if you are if you are daring, feel free to make predictions on either final. Eric, we'll lead off with you. Uh, okay. Uh, of course, for the men, I'm going to pick Nadal. Um, and for the women's final, I'm going to give a slight edge to Kennan. I think she may actually win it in three sets. Any parting shot philosophically, uh, emotionally at all? Anything to say to your fans? <laughs> to to our fans? <laughs> uh, I think my mom is my only fan, so I want to thank her for listening. And I would say, I would agree with Eric. I give, I give Rafa the slight... Um, Slight edge going into that one, just based on, on on what he's done, obviously his whole career, but also this tournament and and the hunger and the desire, and that he really takes pride and 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 
and really feel so comfortable there. So I give him the slight edge. I think Kennan, the longer the match goes, the better. If she can drag Iga into, you know, every match has been 55 minutes, 62. If she can keep her out there, the longer it goes, the more I like Kennan. Right. If it goes three, yeah, I would favor Kennan. If Iga plays the way she played against Halep, she's going to be really, really, really tough to beat. But the nerves are, are a huge factor. As Eric said, Kennan was really upfront about that. She's really nervous, and you expect them both to be super, super nervous. But I think also this shows, look, what a great, great place the women's game is in that, what, it'll be seven of the last eight women's champions or I think 23 or 22 or under. you got a 21-year-old against a 19-year-old. We saw Bianca at the U.S. Open. We see Naomi that there's so many young, really exciting, different style of women's play. It's just great for the women's game and the depth that's there. So we have a lot to look forward to over the next decade. Yeah, and also cool that Naomi came back and has done it consistently and that Sophia now is coming back and doing it consistently. One thing I wanted to say, because you triggered a thought in my mind about the final, as we previewed it, we covered it, but there's one thing that I didn't mention is that it might be tricky for Fiontech to, if she gets into you know a 5-5 or 6-all or a tiebreaker, she hasn't faced a situation like that here at Roland Garros. So it just might be a little strange to be deep in a set and finally all of a sudden be faced with like set points or those kind of things. It'll be interesting to see how she deals with it. And then on another level, I want to say that the Djokovic-Nadal final, I think, in my opinion, is pretty cool because it kind of restores a little bit of normalcy, and that's something that we could all use, I think, in 2020, having these two great rivals, you know, and having a couple of days to get ready for them to meet in the final. It's just kind of, it feels like old times, and uh, we don't have a lot of that this year, so there's a plus there. Yeah, absolutely, and also, you know, Sophia Kennan could be the first woman since Kerber in 2016 to win multiple majors in a year, and given how crazy this year has been, as you just said, I mean, this would be one of the biggest sports stories, I think, not just tennis, but sports in general, if if we were in a normal year, but we're not, but still, you have to really, really be excited about it. Yeah. That's very cool. I, I am certainly excited. I know you guys are too, Eric and Richard. I'm glad you stopped by. I'm glad we spent some time breaking these matches down and um, it's been wonderful enjoying this ride with you and uh, maybe we'll come back and sum this sum these puppies up after Sunday's final so uh, stay tuned and we'll see you guys on Slack and um, until then well, I guess we'll talk in the morning yeah thanks so much thank Chris. you thanks Eric thank you thank you guys this edition of the Lucky Let Cord podcast is a wrap I want to remind you guys that you can find us on Apple Podcasts just Type in Lucky Let Cord Podcast into your search window, and voila, you will find us. We'd love it if you rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. It would mean a lot. You can also find Tennis Now on social, facebook.com slash tennis now, at tennis underscore now on Twitter. And of course, hit us up on the web. There's plenty to read at www.tennisnow.com. Thank you guys for listening. Enjoy these mouth-watering Roland Garros finals that we're going to have this weekend, and we'll see you on the other side. Thank you so much.